squishied it. Hello, squishies. Hello, squishies. Welcome to the Squishcast. I am Unviv. And I am Andrew. Andrew, you know what's fun? Lying. Um. No, no, no. Give me a moment. Lying is power. It's deliberately misleading others and the smug arrogance of knowing that they don't know it's a lie. It's a real power trip. That doesn't sound like a thing a good person would do. And you can really just go into it. You can maintain a lie for ages, drunk on the power that no one else knows your lie. Okay, this is sounding very sketchy and I don't like it. You can really, really ruin someone's life with lying. Like, completely and utterly decimate it through deliberate and malicious fabrication of facts. You really aren't winning me over here. This all sounds really terrible. Yeah, maybe you're right. What were you going to say when when you asked what was fun? Cats. Cats, Andrew. Cats are fun. No, you're you're right. That's that's more fun than lying. Unless we somehow managed to make a game out of the idea of lying. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you've been playing. It happened, Viv. What happened, Andrew? <clears throat> I literally I, I have no idea. I played Monkey Island, Viv. Oh, I'm I shocked to my very core. <laughs> I played Return to Monkey Island. Yeah, you did. In fact, I, I played two games. I played Waiting for Return to Monkey Island, and then <laughs> I played Return to Monkey Island, because because uh, international release times, five o'clock in the evening. That is true, yeah. It came out on that Monday. And because an old rich lady died, we got the day off. So I just sat about waiting for it. Playing the um, game of Waiting for Return um, to the Monkey Island. Yeah, but then I played Return to Mankind. Oh my god, Viv. Yeah? Oh my god. Oh my god. Where do I even start? Importantly, I should preface this. I think, and I feel strongly, that this game will work regardless of whether you've played the other five Monkey Island games. That's good to know, yeah. I feel like the story is contained enough that you would be able to enjoy it on its own, but you would enjoy elements of it more with knowledge, but I don't think that would hinder your enjoyment of this thing. Oh my, it's so good, Viv. It's just absolutely joyous. We've talked for ages about how beautiful the artwork is, and it really is. In emotion in play, as you're playing the game, it is absolutely sublime at all times. Let's start at the beginning, Viv. Return to Monkey Island is a point-and-click adventure game in the style of those classic LucasArts adventures that Monkey Island was. And it works really beautifully. Do you remember when we played Monkey Island 2 on stream? Yeah. And he had all the verb bars at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we played Sam and Max and that had done away with that and it was just like an icon. Yeah. This has refined that process even more where it comes down to just a left and right click. So sometimes you can hover over an item and you can just see a text appear as to what clicking on that item will be. And you... You do your left click, and then maybe after that, a second item will turn up for the right click, and you can interact in a different way with that object. And it's unambiguous as to exactly what the outcome of that click will be, which is so good, because so many times in games, you don't entirely know what's going to happen when you click something. Certainly like those, those kind of old 80s and 90s ones, and particularly Sierra ones, where they could be a bit misleading as to... Well, they actually are, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the interface is really fine. And in the bottom left corner is a sack, and that's your inventory, and that's where all your, your gummies are. If, like me, you'd pre-ordered it, uh, you get some horse armor that nice. serves, serves no purpose in the game at all. 
Nice. It's, an, it's entirely useless, but you can click it on a bunch of stuff um, and you can look at it occasionally and Guybrush has like, just lots of things to say about it over the course of the game. Oh, that's good. It's more like a conversational thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just there. So the game exists within the timeline of the other five games of being The Secret of Monkey Island, Monkey Island 2, The Trucks Revenge, Curse of Monkey Island, Escape from Monkey Island, and Tales of Monkey Island, the Telltale game. Creator of the series, Ron Gilbert, only really worked on the first two, and he consulted on the Telltale one, but three and four, kind of five, he didn't really work on. So this is his return to the series that he created. And while it exists after the other five games, it does pick up from the end of Monkey Island 2, which if you remember from the stream, ends up with a young LeChuck and a young Guybrush in a theme park. I don't remember, no. Don't you... Okay. That's <laughs> it's quite hopeful um, of you. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was a fairly ambiguous ending. Yeah. Uh, so it picks up from from that in a in a way that I don't think anyone was expecting. And that's one of the things I was thinking about in this game. It's thirty one years since Monkey Island Two came out. And I don't think this is the game that Ron Gilbert would have made had he made Monkey Island 3 immediately after Monkey Island 2. What makes you say that? Because this is a game about the passage of time. This is a game about who I think everyone is 30 years later. Right, okay. And not... Because Guybrush isn't 30 years older. He's maybe 10 years older than the last one. Uh, but it is a game about who he's become since the original game. Right, so it has an understanding of like actually what the all the things that comes with kind of being older, like a whole ten years, which can be quite. Um, yeah, I mean, I there was a, a shift. Domino Kamato, who played, who voices Guybrush, was talking about how there are scenes in that that he says he could have performed as an actor years ago if they'd made this game years ago, but with the passage of time and his experience and having children the way he performed it is probably different and more truthful now. And I think that stands across the entire game. It's quite difficult to talk about it specifically without spoiling too much to people that want to play the game and haven't yet experienced what how the, how this picks up from Monkey Island 2. But it does so in a... in I just thought a really beautiful way and it sort of carries throughout the story in a really beautiful way. I was uh, tweeting as I was playing the game and I never got around to correcting this as a tweet because I was waiting for the podcast. The first half of the game, and I tweeted this, felt a lot like Monkey Island 1 in as much as it takes place on Melee Island, which is the first island you start on in the original game. And then it becomes quite a linear adventure and you go from one island to the next and so forth. Whereas Monkey Island 2, when you were playing that, if you remember, you're like hopping between three different yeah, islands to solve that. puzzles. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I remember during the stream actually just going back and forth because you can remember where something was. It was a yeah. little bit more open yeah. in that sense. So I, I tweeted that the, the game felt very much like Monkey Island 1 until about halfway through the game. And then it starts feeling like Monkey Island 2, where you do have to start hopping between different islands to solve puzzles. So it feels like a real nice combination of the styles of both of those games. And starting the game on Melee Island was so beautiful in as much as that it felt like a return to a familiar place. I talk about this quite a lot with Yakuza. Whenever you go back to Kamurocho and it feels familiar and you have a look around and see what's different. And you're like, oh, I remember going down this alley in the previous game and stuff. There was a lot of that. There was going through Melee Island going, oh, this is where this is. Oh, that's changed. Oh, that shop's closed. Oh, that shop's opened. Oh, if I go down this alleyway, this is where the door is that you can never open and things like that. And it was just nice being in that space again. The script is beautiful and funny and genuinely made me laugh out loud a few times. 
their voice acting is all uniformly wonderful and i just i just had a really good time you'll you'll enjoy there's a hint book at one point you're in the voodoo lady's shop and she gives you a a hint book and you can click on it at any time it knows exactly where you are in particular quests so if there's one thing in particular you want to know about it will give you very light hints through all the way to just exasperatingly telling you exactly what you need to do yeah which i think's that's quite a nice feature. I think it's good and it's you know yeah and it stops you needing to go and find a guide on the internet yeah i think it's kind of nice because it's contained within the game yeah it's, it's nice because it is like sometimes um i think we spoke about this before about you know some some point and click adventure games really wanting you to take a leap with your knowledge uh, it might be just like something that you might not know it's quite nice to have something in there where you're there's a gap in your knowledge where the game goes oh, just nudge here's a here's a little a little something that might help you connect the dots yeah um, speaking of yeah. knowledge viv uh, around the world are also 100 trivia cards that you can pick up oh yay snaffling and then you've got a trivia card book and you can open them and it'll ask you a question about the history of the game series or the specific game you're playing i didn't know this at the time i played the game so i'm saying this to anyone who maybe is about to start the game or is thinking about playing the game if you pick up a card and you don't know the answer answer the question even if you get it wrong because that card will respawn but if you pick up cards and don't answer them cards will stop spawning oh no in the world okay If, if you hoard too many unanswered questions they stop spawning Oh, so it's a nice metaphor up, for life. <laughs> yeah, so, so if you pick it up and you don't know the answer, just answer anything. Maybe one out of three, you'll get it right on accident. Otherwise, you'll get it wrong. Wait until you find it again, pick it up and try again. I was hoarding cards that I didn't know, so they eventually just stopped spawning and I didn't know this. Uh, so I've not found all 100. I, I'm already having an itch to play the game again. Of course you uh, are. There's a, well, that's going to be I- my next question. There's a, a an island that you don't need to go to for the story that I never went to. It was only during the credits. And I was like, there's another island? So yeah, there's a whole, a whole area that I've not been to. That's um, exciting. Yeah. I really want to play it again. I'm really looking forward to playing it again. I really do love it. You know what this game series means to me. So. Yeah, I talk about it all the time. Yeah, I really do. And you are as annoying with Return to Monkey Island as, or any Monkey Island, anything related, as I am with The Last of Us. <laughs> so yeah. we're and, both quite and consistent. The two, and the two are now forever linked, as Neil Druckmann uh, voices a character Indeed. in Return to Monkey Island. Is there anything you want to ask me about Return to Monkey Island? Because I'm quite giddy with excitement. It's quite yeah, difficult I mean, to that focus was, my thoughts. That was going to be my question, because you've spoken a lot about what the game is and mm-hmm. tried to keep talking around it so there's there's no spoilers for anyone but i mean I, i'm actually every, just everyone should play this game play the game Sorry. i'm actually just Question. interested in just tell me how you felt playing the game because you talked about uh, it ha- quite a little bit factually even though your voice is giddy with excitement <laughs> but you know it's, it's quite big just, it's been, ha- it's just been, happy yeah just so happy the whole time just uh, like again something on melee island there was a lot of nostalgia there was a lot of heartwarming I'm back here again nostalgia because you go back to Melee Island and Escape from Monkey Island the fourth game um, but it's very different in that game and th- thankfully this game ignores what the fourth game did to Melee Island and it's just as it was in the original game but other than that it was just just joy just it's such a joyous experience it makes sense and it's logical in the way that point and click games are 
and it just yeah it just made me happy and I'd I imagine it's one of it. I'd imagine it's one of those games that um, I mean I'm sure this happens with other games you know you really enjoy it and you do want to go back to it but it's those games that you just kind of go to bed and wake up thinking about playing it and you just can't wait to go back to it um, which can be quite rare because you can really enjoy a game and really want to play it but there's there are some games that just take over your brain space for a few days um, that's all you can think about because they're yeah. just so good f- for you regardless of whether anyone else thinks that that game is good or not they're just so great for you that you just have a great time it's currently only available on pc and switch if you have access to all those although i say pc mac and switch the um the game is a mac version as well i assume i assume that works on steam somehow even though mac nuked its own access to steam i don't know how that worked it was all stupid anyway well but it, was mac, have ac- it was apple that nuked it because of the t- turning everything yeah, into a 64-bit app <laughs> yeah that's true if you have access to those things please play the game and if you can i'd recommend playing playing the other games as well play some monkey island it's good it's good for your soul you know you might find this hard to believe but this episode is more than just about monkey island so we're going to have to move on um so i have been playing i played this a little while ago i've not had a chance to talk about it but you have also played this game and it's called pinstripe and in pinstripe you play as teddy and he's an estranged ex-minister forced to venture through the frozen afterlife in search of Bo, his three-year-old daughter and her perverse kidnapper so you have to go around, you have to discover the dark secrets of Teddy's past and confront his sleazy, demonic nemesis, Mr. Pinstripe. Take part in an emotional adventure through the afterlife that blends humour with horror for a memorable experience. So, yeah, I played this game a few weeks ago. This is not always apparent, I don't think, but you are going through hell, like physical hell, and that's kind of what all the levels move through. And I really enjoyed playing it I, I think i expected it to be dark i didn't quite expect some of it to be as dark as it was but i really i did enjoy it uh, there were a couple of moments that weren't so intuitive in terms of what i had to do but everything else was very good i think it handled really well i think the game is really pretty i really like the artwork on that game uh, it gives me a little bit of um tim burton vibes but not really probably takes maybe an hour to complete if you're playing it straight through uh maybe a couple of hours if you're rubbing your nose against everything and going back and forth and getting lost like i do even though it's only kind of a side scrolling type thing there's things that you can get uh so in secrets you can find so i was making sure that i was going back and forth as much as i could to be able to find as much as i can one of the cute things about it that i really love about the game is that you have a pet you have a pet that walks around with you and um you have i think his name is george and George helps you find some clues. He sniffs his way to some clues and helps you find stuff. Which, you know, as you probably know from Andrew and me, we always really enjoy having a pet friend. So I really enjoyed that. And I think in my mind I want to go back and play it again. Because it's, I mean, it's very short and I'm always short on time anyway. And I'd, I would like to get the 100%. It's what I was saying earlier. I did enjoy playing the game, but I'm not like, ooh, I need to go back. Uh, because it was just so amazing but it was cute in a horror kind of way i don't know how you found it when you played it andrew um you spoke about a it lot already of the, a lot of the trophies in it you can only get on your second playthrough 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, did, I, did. There are, I have very few trophies, I think. Some of the stuff you just can't access first go round, which is yeah. which is fine. Gives you a different look. I mean, you get the Tommy gun in the the um, in your second playthrough, which is a much easier weapon for fighting than the. Um, yeah, you spoke about this. But, I yeah, than the gone back. slingshot. It's good. I liked it. I liked its look. I liked its vibe. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was. It was funny. Yeah. Darkly weirdly funny and i think the reason you ended up playing it is because i was playing it again and i kept sending you screenshots of weird shit that people were saying yeah, and yeah. kind of like this sounds like something i would have said yeah kind of way yeah it is good i just had a look and i, I have a total of three trophies for this game so uh and judging by the trophies that i have i could probably get the 100 percent on my next playthrough if i play it right um uh, no you can't because no. I, I got the trophy for being a nice guy which means you can't. You'd have to play it a third time, because Shame. the trophy for beating the game in under an hour, you have to skip all the dialogue and the oh yeah right yeah default dialogue options are always the nice one. So you'd have to for each dialogue skip to the being a bit of a a dick option and then select that, yes, which means it's harder to get in, in under an hour. Well then, so maybe three goes. But anyway, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, very puzzly. Uh, I remember at the time I was really craving playing a puzzle game, and so it is puzzly and hellish. And I think some of the even the evil characters they look. I think they're quite cool. I think they've managed to make all the characters really interesting in their own way. And it is scary, but not in a like a Resident Evil scary. But the obviously the artwork always gives you the impression that something bad is happening. Check it out. Pinstripe. It's called. You can find it. I think it's everywhere. Yeah, I think you can find it everywhere. I played it on PlayStation, but you can grab it in other other consoles and whatnot. So give it a try. And if you try any of these two games that we've just spoken about, give us a little shouty shout on the Discord. We can have a yeah, chat about it. You do the That's What We've Been Playing thing, Viv, because I have got seven plats this month that we haven't talked about, so we need to move on because we haven't got time for me to talk about any more games. Okay. Say the song. And that's what we've been playing. Andrew, let's play a game. Oh, well, I like games. Uh, tell me about the game. I thought we could play a game that is in no way inspired by a popular TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, we will tell each other three things about ourselves, and we have to guess what is true and what is a lie. Okay. Uh, how will we make this legally distinct from said popular TV show? Well, we could change the name. Uh, yeah, that would probably get us out of liability, I'm sure. What do we call it? How about, would I not tell the truth to you? Yeah, literally perfect. Okay, who goes first? You go first, Andrew. Okay, so I'm going to tell you three things. And two of them are going to be a lie and one of them is the truth. Okay, so, would I not tell you the truth, Viv? I have met Ron Gilbert, creator of Monkey Island, and he complimented my beard. I have met Tim Schafer, creator of Grim Fandango, and he complimented my t-shirt. I have met Roberta Williams, creator of King's Quest, and she complimented my shoes. I'm going to go with Ron Gilbert, creator of Monkey Island, and he complimented your beard. Because, I don't know, because I don't have any, I actually don't have any leg to stand on. Because I know that you've met Charles Cecil a lot, but I don't know that I've heard you talk about meeting these people, but I maybe... 
maybe I'm making it up, but I maybe have a vague recollection of someone complimenting your beard. I, I could be massively wrong and it could be the one with the t-shirt. I don't think it's the one with the shoes. I think the shoes one is maybe maybe not the truth one. Because I feel like that would be... I mean, I don't know, maybe that would be a weird thing to do. Somebody's saying hello to someone and instead of looking at your face, they're looking at your feet. I don't know. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with beard. Yes. Beard? Yellow. And the answer is B. I have met Tim Schafer, creator of Grim Fandango, and he complimented my t-shirt. Oh, nice. When did you meet them? At, at EGX. Uh, an EGX rest in Tobacco Dock. This must have been 2018, I think. I think it was the 2018 rest. He was there. And I was wearing a purple tentacle t-shirt from Dare the Tentacle. Oh, was nice. A, uh, was one of the devs for Dare the Tentacle. I was wearing my purple tentacle t-shirt that I think I got on Etsy, maybe? Nice. That wasn't, wasn't nice. like an official one, but it's a nice t-shirt. And he complimented it because he thought it was nice. I have a photo... Uh, of us where I look ridiculously happy and awkward Giddy, yep. uh, next to a, <laughs> a very cool person. So yes, B. Nice, okay. B. My turn. Your turn. So, Andrew, would I not tell the truth to you? I choose my next game in order of backlog. I choose my next game based on what I'm feeling. Or, I choose my next game based on what I can remember at the time. Well, I know for an absolute facticals that you do not play games based on your backlog <laughs> order. Yeah. Because I'm well aware. I think I know your, your backlog <laughs> yeah, better than you do. Probably, yeah. So the last one was on what you're feeling. And what was the second one? The other one was what I can remember at the time. Oh, so it's what, what you can feel and what you can remember. I'm gonna go. Hmm, I'm gonna go with what you're feeling, only because the other one involves you having to remember anything, which is, <laughs> which, which is quite difficult. Even though they're all visual and on your shelf, I don't think you could remember things. But I think, no, I think you. It's what you feel. If you're like, oh, I want to do a puzzles, you will pick up a puzzles game. And if you want to shoot something in the face, you'll be like, oh, where's my shoot something in the face simulator? I think it's what you. I think it's what you feel. That is correct. Yeah. That last one could have gone either way because sometimes I think it starts with how I feel and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I remember this only this one game and you were like in your there's kind of these moments where you go, Well, I thought you would have played this and I'm like, Oh yeah, I could have played that had <laughs> I remembered that I had that. Uh, but it this definitely starts with how I'm feeling at the time. So uh, well done. This is a game where we're gonna find out how much Andrew knows me and how much I don't know Andrew, clearly. Because he's made his really hard. I mean if you'd ever listened to me, you would have got the first one. You say a lot of things, Andrew. That's, that's true. All you have to do is remember everything I've ever said. <laughs> you mean remembering things? We yeah. all know how good I am at that. <laughs> Are we going on to the next one? Are we uh, ready? Yeah, on to the next one. So would I not tell the truth to you, Viv, that one time at EGX Rest, I saw Andy, Jane and Mike from outside Xbox standing in a small crowd of fans and decided to join the group. They were very welcoming and asked me my name. I panicked, laughed loudly told them I loved them, and quickly ran away. Or, one time at EGX Rest, I saw Andy, Jane, and Mike from outside Xbox standing quietly and undisturbed and decided to go and speak to them. I had not thought beyond this, so when they asked me what games I played at the event, I forgot the name of every game ever made. With an increasingly sweaty brow, I desperately tried to describe some games. Or, 
One time at EGX Rest, I saw Andy, Jane and Mike from Outside Xbox walking through the event. They just finished speaking to a fan and I decided that I would also speak to them. They were very polite and after listening to me for five minutes enthused about how much I'd enjoyed a recent video on their channel, they politely informed me that I was describing a recent Eurogamer video. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's the last one, but I really hope it's the last one at the same time. <laughs> That's the sort of shit I would do. <laughs> Just get everyone confused and describe another channel. Um, I don't think it's that one because I think you're quite good at differentiating those things. <laughs> although you do get quite giddy when you meet people that you enjoy. So I guess between you forgetting every game ever made or uh, kind of saying that you love them and running away are the other two options. I'm going to say you forgot every game ever made. I feel like I definitely remember you, you talking about this. I remember you telling me about this. I do not remember the details, but I seem to remember you describing yourself as just like waffling and not knowing what you were saying, which both of those options do. But I feel like that's the sort of thing you would do. Like you play everything. And then when you meet someone that you like, like a little bit of a celebrity, you might just forget everything. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that one willy nilly because I don't remember anything that you told me. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one. That feels like like something that you might have said. Ding, 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 ding. Yay! Correct. <laughs> Got every game ever made. <laughs> no games existed. The, the 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 one with the shooting. You got the there's a cam <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a camera and you and you and you go and you go about and and then, and then you shoot. It's based on the game. <laughs> Wait, yes, yep. isn't it? Isn't it great? Yep. Yep. Amazing. Was, yeah, that was. That was really fabulous. That's really that yeah. Yeah, they were just they were just standing there, <laughs> waiting, com completely undisturbed, <laughs> just watching people play the game. And over I marched <laughs> without any thought as to what what would happen next. They were like, "Oh, hello, it's nice to meet you." I was like, "Hello." <laughs> they're like, "What's your name?" Andrew. And they're like, "I like Andy." I was like, "Yes." Have you seen any good games? Uh -huh. <laughs> I have. I will not tell you. I I have. I've I've been playing lots of games while I've been here, and then yeah, it was just, it was just hideously awkward. This oh, was so God. Great. This must have been maybe maybe like twenty fifteen, something like that. Twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, something like that. Quite a while ago. Bless. I I think they probably still remember you. Okay, Andrew. Would I not tell the truth to you? My favourite video game scene of all time is The Last of Us Part 2, Dina and Ellie's kiss scene. My favourite video game scene of all time is in Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, where Anya is naked and pregnant and is shooting the bads. My favourite video game scene of all time is the entrance of Lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil Village. Okay. I'm going to discount Lady Dimitrescu because I've never heard you talk about that scene. Yep. Okay. But that does leave the other two. Now, you have said on this very podcast, not this episode because that would be weird, but in within this podcast series, you have said that the scene from Wolfenstein 2 with Anya is your favourite cutscene ever, but you might have said it's one-off. Somebody, somebody that remembers things that we've said is screaming, going, "No, she said this before." <laughs> but the Last of Us Part Two, I think, is your favourite game ever made. But still, I'm going to go with my instinct and say Wolfenstein. A ding, ding, ding to you too. 
<gasps> I was right. You were right. Yes. Ooh. I mean, I do. I do love, and I did throw it in as a curveball because I do love that scene, and I know that it would throw you off if I just mentioned The Last of Us. <laughs> just any- I was. I was worried that it was going to be three scenes from The Last of Us. I, <laughs> <laughs> I debated it. I debated it. Um, but yes, no, my favourite just cutscene of all time is that one. I think if you haven't played it, it, it can sound weird when I'm just saying it like that, but it's a very much a build-up from the first game where Anya and whatever it what is face the guy get together. And in the second game, they uh, she's pregnant. Uh, with his babies and he's in big trouble and he's about to die and uh, you know she's you know full-on like really big belly pregnant and is still kind of fighting in this revolution and kind of just like waltzes in and starts shooting people and saving him and at some point she gets caught on fire so she has to take her top off but just continues shooting and saves his life like really just really incredible scene and there's no more to it other than like you know he's like Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> that was insane. And but I just think it's really cool that there is so much in that scene that's packed into in terms of a woman being sort of, you know, really strong and also pregnant and just, you know, in love and all those things having space to exist together. Um so yeah, just really love that. Although, you know, I do also really love the like the Dina and Annika scene because, you know, representation and that. But that that one with Anya is really just like my my top top so well done andrew all right let's go into the final round viv would i not lie to you that i am playstation friends with comedian rufus sound or that i am playstation friends with comedian dara o'brien or that i am playstation friends with comedian danny wallace oh my gosh i have no idea i don't think i have ever heard you talk about that and i don't particularly have a habit of go look at your friends on PlayStation, uh, so I'm going to have to take a wild guess on this one. Would you mind repeating the names again, please? Rufus Hound, mm-hmm. Dara O'Brien, mm-hmm. or Danny Wallace. Um, uh, incidentally, all three have hosted the BAFTA Game Awards. Oh, nice. Um, you know what? I'm going to say the C, Danny, with no Danny, reason, because Danny Wallace. Uh, Danny Wallace, uh, no reason other than maybe that's the one. I don't know. <laughs> That's one of three options. So, you know, got a third of a chance of getting it right. I don't know. Dara Breen is the only name that, I, name that I know. I feel like maybe I have gone for your friend list at least once when I was looking maybe for another friend. I definitely don't remember seeing. I feel like I would have spotted that one because that is the name that I know. So it's either the first one or the last one. But I, I can't be sure, to be honest. But I'm going to go with the last one, C. Uh, it is is this actually a Rufus Hound. Right. So it was one of the two. I had a 50% chance to get that one. So how come you're friends with Rufus Hound? We worked together once and then just had a mutual PlayStation love. So we became PlayStation friends. As all um, your friendships start. Yeah, really do. At the time, we were having quite lengthy conversations about Tearaway. Uh, which oh, at the time was just coming out, or just come out on the PS4. So we're talking about that. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen him for a, for a long time. We don't. It's not like we. It's not like we're mates or anything. We don't talk. Uh, I don't message him or anything. That'd be weird. Um, but yeah, we are <laughs> inexplicably PlayStation friends still. I definitely needs to be clear. We're not. I'm not mates with Rufus Hound. We worked together briefly, um, and uh, ran into each other at a 
at a press night once and had a had a chat and a catch up. But yeah, like like a lot of performers in the industry, it tends to be mates for the duration of the job, and then it yeah. moves on. That's I always find it funny when uh, things like this happen because you, you spoke about Tearaway and because we were doing this game, I was actually, I actually picked up my copy of Tearaway this morning um, because I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I, t- I forgot I had a copy of it physically, which it made me really excited. Yeah, I might, I'm jealous. I know, I might I might have to sometime, you know. Well, go back to it. Yeah, I mean, not like having like an, an, a massive library to play but i just really enjoyed that yeah except for the flying stuff i think she won't be yeah really hated that issues with, yeah. yeah um but other than that you know the small a smaller spot on what otherwise a perfect game but speaking of an unplayed library okay, no. andrew <laughs> okay <laughs> would i not tell the truth to you so for context i have 60 physical games in my shelf between PS2 and PS5. I have played 33% of my physical PS library. I have played 60% of my physical PS library. Or I have played 50% of my physical PS library. Well, it sure as shit isn't 60%. Um... I don't think it's as little as 30, because I think you've played a good number of them, but I know you've definitely not played all of them, and there's quite a lot of them. I'm going to go with right in the middle, I think it's 50. I think you buy two games for every one game you play. That's my reasoning. Right, okay. (laughs) I mean, you've just... You're still playing The Last of Us Part 1, and you've just bought... Another game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got the Mass Effect trilogy, you've got the Mafia trilogy, uh, they've got two Metro games, there's... Yeah, I'm going to go with 50%. Okay. I'm sticking with 50%, yeah. The correct answer is 60%. <gasps> I know. But I was so confident that you <laughs> sure hadn't played that many. I know, but you also have to remember that I, I like shiny copies of things and I quite often even if I own a game digitally I will sometimes also buy a game that I've already played if it find a nice copy of it so I actually I have actually oh, no, played that changes, 60 because you know just the ratio at all <laughs> yeah because I, yes, I, I, changes I the ratio. Oh, no. I probably have 50% or less if you were to include my digital library or just do digital library because I feel like this you know including PlayStation Plus and all that like there's definitely like a, I've probably played a very small percentage of that but I have actually played 60% of my library, you know, things including like Tearaway or, you know, like um, Borderlands, the handsome collection where there's like three games in one and Tiny Tina's and all that stuff, Call to the Sea. I have, you know, Life is Strange on inexplicably on <laughs> a physical copy because I found a nice edition of it at CEX where it had like a, a CD with the music and a book and stuff like that. Uh, so I have actually played it. And, you know, like with my recent backwards compatible PS3, I don't actually own that many games, but I have uh, played two of them. I have played, you know, like Simpsons Hit and Run and the Friends game. <laughs> yeah, I've played some PS2 games, not PS3 games that I've bought. But in my PS4 library, I have played quite a lot of them. And I've played m- the majority of my PS5 library, with the exception of Beyond the Still Sky. So, yeah, 60% of it. Wow. I know. 
I, I thought that might throw you off. Because it, it threw me off. Because <laughs> I was it actually did. expecting to be on the kind of lower end of that, maybe on the 45. So I kind of surprised myself by having played more. I do tend to, because I can see it on my shelf, think about those games more. Anyway, so it's more likely that I would pick up a physical copy to play something just because it's in my field of view every day, I guess. Okay. Well, there you go. I only got two of yours right. And I only got one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember anything. But it's really... I think it's a really fun game to just find out some random stuff. I think all in our views can find out some stuff about us that they, they did not know. Yeah, how did you get on? Let us know if you got all of them or none of them. And yeah, I guess you can count your scores out of six. See how you did with both of our questions. That was, would I not tell the truth to you? The famously made and game by the Squishy Stream and not the popular TV show, but inspired by very it. Very legally distinct. Very yep. legally distinct. Viviana, are you there? I am here. Hello, that's a surprise. It's been two weeks since EGX. I thought, I thought maybe we could have a bit of a, a bit of a brief chat about about the state of EGX and, and what we thought about it and how the overall experience of it. Because we did obviously we did those um, bonus episodes talking about the games we played. But I thought it'd be interesting just to chat about the event in total i can say yeah that sounds good i firstly want to say that how my first impression of egx when i walked in is not how i left that's important to say depending on how i start talking about it because i really thought in 2021 when we went it was you know understandably quite empty there was quite a lot of floor space because post pandemic it's quite difficult to get the money to do these kinds of things when you're you also might be busy because the gaming industry did boom so understandably it was quite empty and obviously in my opinion we've talked about it before the floor plan could probably have been rearranged to make it feel a little bit close-knit would be how i say and, and so i was hoping that this year it would be different and it was in the sense that it was it had, it'd have more things but walking into it i was a little bit disappointed that there were no really big games there there was a couple one of them being Call of Duty, which neither Andrew or I play. And, you know, there's a couple of other things, but really there was nothing big there. There was no PlayStation stage and Xbox also wasn't there. So it's like walking into it, I was, I thought I might be disappointed is how I felt because I didn't have the pizzazz that I was expecting. And I thought going around the floor, we both talked about this, there was a real lack of investment in the look of things. Well, okay, let's talk about that. That, um, Well, there's two things. One, there was, uh, as we were walking to enter, there was a licensing expo happening in the hangar opposite that had just like a bunch of TV, game and things, stuff going on. And it was what EGX used to be, like all these big stands and big billboards. Shiny, lots of branding. Bright looked really exciting and you walk into EGX and this wasn't specifically their problem but you walked in and everything looks quite simple 
and quite low-key. And you're talking about there not being any big games. I think one of the biggest games that they had was Street Fighter VI, which was playable and you could team up with some mates and and, and kick each other and, and so forth in the game. But the actual booth, if you want to call it that, was just two rows of computers roped off and like a pool stand saying Street Fighter VI. There was no big display going on uh, and no graphics and things that would catch your eye from from afar it was just like a small roped off pen yeah and i think that kind it of could have been just the retro section i probably would have dismissed it if we'd not seen the tiny sign yeah and and even you talking about 2021 even 2021 they had the fall dome or whatever the blunder dome or whatever the uh, thing that nearly killed you running up <laughs> the fall mountain yeah yes from four guys yeah and Whilst that was like an interactive thing, it was still like a big set piece within quite an empty space. And there wasn't, I don't think this year had a set piece thing at all when you look around. No, and nothing was. Th- nothing it was, it yeah. wasn't just in Street Fighter yeah. that there was a lack of branding. There was an entire area which I think had really cool games, and it was quite literally just some blank panels. And on the Thursday, the first day when we went, there was, you know, the, there was no branding. There was some tape on the white panels and someone had written in pen the name of the game in this in this kind of like off-white tape. And then some of them might have a poster on it, but that was literally, so it was all white and then some tape with some writing. And then you had the computers, but no seats. So people were playing standing up. And the second day, they actually added some little stalls for you to play but it was really unimpressive like you could completely dismiss that and it was like not inspiring to play like it's not inspiring to walk past and go oh i want to buy this game look at all the pretty nothing was like it you know there was a lack of the wow factor in in egx this year that i found that you know you found in things like house flipper 2 or there's a little bit more in splatoon and, and all of that and i'm sure there was some in call of duty i did not go in there but everything was just like a desk and a computer or a desk and a console and a desk and a an Xbox, whatever it was. And it, there's only a few really like uh, Planet of Lana that actually had like a big billboard looking thing of the branding and they had a kind of a s- statue type thing on the, at the front and the computers and they looked a, bit, a little bit like a chill area with beanbags. And I thought that was really cool in terms of setting the environment but it was really unimpressive considering if you go back on our socials uh, on instagram there is a story highlight of egx 2019 which is you can see the wow factor in that there was an entire doom stand there was someone walking around as a doom slayer there was a essentially a a metal crate thing that you could go into and you could play predator and you know the guy outside had a mask and you know all these like you you could get merch and t-shirts and things and there wasn't even um, that this year there was no branding and there there was was barely any merch (laughs) there was avengers that year as well avengers yeah they had all the um, display things with like life-size costume um, yeah things there was the borderlands 3 booth that we didn't go into because we were already playing the game at the time so all these huge booths used to be there and i can really get it for 2021 where they were coming back and certain other uh, games conferences and stuff were still not happening that anything happening at all was was quite good in 2021 but when you look at something like 
Gamescom that's just happened and the Tokyo Game Show that's just happened. And there's, I can't remember which one, there's something coming up soon that's going to have God of War Ragnarok playable at it. And then you sort of, I don't know what has happened at EGX. And I assume it has to be money. I mean, I worked out the other day that I've been going to EGX for 10 years. Not consistently. I think I did 2012 through 2015. And then it went to Manchester for a while. But I did uh, res. So the big show was in London, then went to Manchester. And res was the indie, small indie show that they had on. And that used to at time with the... BAFTA Game Awards as well, so I went to a couple of those, and that was really fun. And then big EGX came back to London, and Rezd was repurposed into EGX. Ooh, is it EGX Birmingham or EGX Manchester? It's one of the two, but it's a kind of a Midlands-based one at the beginning of the year, and then London at the end of the year. But my understanding was always that London was going to be the big one, and then um, Manchester would or Birmingham would focus on smaller games, but also things that were coming out post-Christmas, if that makes sense. Yeah. We met some absolutely lovely people this year, and we played some incredible indie games and had a great time. But as you said, like the big games just aren't there, and I don't know what EGX, I where think... EGX are as, a, as, a, as an entity that is not attracting big games anymore. There must be a significance in money and gamescom having been in august because next year's egx has been scheduled to be in october rather than september and i think that does give it a bit more space so i wonder if that is what is affecting it but i think even in the small games that entire row of like blank walls really bothered me uh it was yeah, the really left, the left field collection yeah it really bothered me because actually yeah. you and me we both played something really great on it and I didn't spend any more time in there because it just wasn't exciting to be in that space and it was quite empty a lot of the time. So I didn't spend a lot of time in there. However, you've just touched on it and it needs to be said that we didn't spend as much time on queues this year because there just wasn't enough for us. You know, they, there was a couple of games. House Flipper had a long queue and Splatoon had a long queue. So that you still had these kind of, uh, kind of really epic games um that you still had to queue up quite a lot for not as much i feel as we've had to queue up in 2019 where things like avengers it was a really mental queue we did get to spend more time with people and talking about their games and finding that developers that really care about their game and they really care about the people that are playing their games there was a, a game uh, where, where Andrew was talking to someone who worked on it that hadn't seen a just a regular person playing it and really just was enjoying seeing how that was playing out and how that affected the game. And, you know, that's always really great to see because it means that they care about player experience and that they'll take those things on board for any patches or even just games in the future. So although there wasn't that pizzazz what it did do is pull the focus to those smaller games that i hope because they had more traffic will boom and become bigger there's something for me in that i I don't think they expected that to happen because there were really great games they were all placed all in a row in the tightest space ever that did not have enough floor space for queues 
which is bizarre considering that when yeah, you go into the middle particularly those VR games those VR games that did not have enough space to queue I don't think they expected them to be that big because there was quite a lot of space in the middle everything's quite spread out but that area in particular I think is always like that but because of the lack of other features has also meant that people are now gravitating towards other games which I think is amazing because these people absolutely deserve the attention sometimes more so than the big games because you know they can't afford all these massive marketing things so it's important that people are there to experience it and I certainly have come out wanting to play those games and considering buying those games on consoles I don't usually play on so I think that's really important to say considering that we've spoken about being at EGX and me going to the stand where there was the Lost Ember game and I approached him just to, not even to play, because I'd played the game already, and I just wanted to express how much I enjoyed the game. Like, I really loved the game. It was beautiful, and I just wanted to let them know that, because I think it's a nice thing to share. And before I'd even opened my mouth, they just pointed at the, and they, oh, the merch is there, just take what you want. <laughs> Which, yeah, well, I didn't enjoy. to the reaction we had from the guys at Disco Elysium. Exactly. I, I mean, everywhere, but, you know, because you played this Elysium, you went and spoke to them and, you, you know, you're very honest about how you felt playing the game, but that you just really enjoyed, you know, everything, really. And that he really took the time to even ask you questions. He didn't just take the information as it was. He was having a conversation, making sure that you enjoyed it. And the stand was great. And actually that stand had quite a lot of branding. They had another area where they were selling merch. It's quite expensive, but it's all handmade and it's beautiful. And they, you know, they had a couple of you know, a few people playing the game and the little war where you could interact with it. And you said messages to Kim. I'm going to say I've not played the game, but yep. Andrew left a note. And just from that experience and seeing Andrew speak with him and him taking the time to speak to me, even though I hadn't played the game, meant that I stood there on the spot and I bought the game because I really felt like this game really needs to be played. Like this, you know, when someone takes that much love and care and attention to do something and it's good you know like there's no reason why i shouldn't be owning this game and that those things they really make a difference i feel i feel like that's the advantage of how eject was this year if you're a smaller developer i guess that's the thing i guess egx as an entity needs to i think next year will be will have to be its deciding thing because if it can't bring in the big guns again next year if they've had feedback from those big companies that were at Gamescom with their big stands and they were like, it's too close, we can't afford it, and they put it back to October, and if they're still not attracting those games, they need to scale the whole thing back because they cannot fill out the Excel Center again with a small show. And that's not to say that these games shouldn't be there. They should just focus on Rezzed. Back to Tobacco Dock, just focus on really pushing all these incredible indie games because that's... That w the, the indie games were the highlight of EGX 2022. And that's, I think, across the board, that's what people were responding to. And I think whilst the games media want you to think that AAA are the only thing worth your attention, something like EGX this year says that if you get these great, smaller budget indie titles into the hands of gamers people will love them and i think that's where egx could really boon make in, a difference yeah in promoting and pushing and smaller I, titles i have to say that you know all of these aside there are companies who do it right you know you have people like naughty dog and i'm sure other people 
who do things like representation and accessibility right. However, these developers, they give you all the things that you ask for. Like they make a pretty game, they make it people conscious, they're very sensitive, they make sure they have representation, they make sure their language is correct. Like you have these things in this game, they really think about that stuff. They have enough of a small team, I think this is the advantage of having a small team, where they really consider those things whilst they're making them. It's not an add-on. So you have both beautiful games and accessible games or games that are sensitive and I feel like you have that more often and you can really tell that they care about that when you're talking to them. So all these things that we sometimes want and expect from bigger companies, they are just a way of life for these smaller developers. And yeah, like Andrew said, I absolutely recommend you play any of those games that ejects aside from any that were in the P-Cube stand. Yes. Which Andrew and I um, did not even walk through. Yeah, yeah, we walked around it if we had to get to anywhere we needed to get to because some of the VR stuff was over there. Um, I want you to list three games you haven't been able to stop thinking about. I have absolutely not stopped thinking about Planet of Lana. Like, I need that in my life because cute because pet friend i just really enjoyed the whole thing and it was one of those demos that when it was over it was one of those oh no like i just want to know what happens i need to go back i haven't stopped thinking about Vern, the shape of fantasy again the demo finished and i i just i just wanted to figure out all the puzzles which i'm i don't play a lot of point and click it takes me a little bit a bit of a while to get through them to understand how those games work and i really felt like the this game is quite intuitive as well, so uh, for, for me, and I, I was just really I was having a heckings of a good time playing it. And the last one would have to be... This is absolutely only because I have to pick three and no more. Mm-hmm. Is I, I need gory in my life. <laughs> I need gory, cuddly carnage in my life. Uh, I really... I had a great time both playing it and speaking to the marketing guy that was on the stand... I just had a great time. We spoke a little bit about it in the AGX episode, so I won't mention it too much now, but you're a cat on a talking skateboard. And this is like, I'm saying these games because these are, I think, what I would buy first, but there are so many of the games, especially the VR ones, that I would absolutely consider playing. But in terms of the things that would be more accessible to me right now, I would say those ones because I don't own anything VR. So... That would be a bit more of an investment from me. But I think the top three, as soon as I can play them, I will, would be those three. What about you, Andrew? Uh, well, I, I was also going to go Plant of Lana and Vern. And then I think my third is probably Squingle. And oh, because, Squingle. Uh, because I think I could get nicely lost in VR playing that. I really hope that it does end up coming to PSVR 2. I would just just like to do that. And then along the same sort of lines, if we did have a fourth... And it was my rules that said three, but also Color Connect because for the same reason, I just those little VR puzzle. Yeah, that things, was really addictive. And um, both of those, I just think I could get absolutely lost in for I three mean, hours yeah, without we, without noticing the time gone. We could mention a lot of them. I, I mean, I, f- I mean, if I could also pick another one mm-hmm. uh, that was different from yours, I would have to. I'd have to go surprisingly uh, for Neon White. Okay. Because I, I think only because it just surprised me so much that I enjoyed it playing on the Steam Deck. 
but there was also that cat game I played, which I can't remember the name of now. Uh, Schrodinger's Cat Girl. Yeah, Schrodinger's Cat Girl. I was very, I don't know what I was expecting when I sat down to play it, but I just, I had a great time. So I feel like there's a lot there. I know we're only supposed to pick three and I do stand by my three, but you know, it's really uh, quite impossible to talk about a top three when there are games that are really great on an equal level, you know, in different kind of areas of gaming. Just really incredible. I really enjoyed that side of EGX this year. So yeah, I guess I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see for the future of EGX as a as a big show. I think I think we can forgive its first year out of post COVID. I think I think this year showed that big game companies might be not so interested in it as a an event anymore because it's not like they haven't been at other places with big things that's true um, so can't covid this one and that, yeah so, you can't covid this one you definitely need to so try yeah. um harder or rejig your floor plan so that it seems like the show there's more going on at the show and just make it something else for now yeah. uh, i do want to just talk about what you bought at egx oh things things we bought the things we bought you want to talk about what i bought uh, i mean we can both talk about what we've bought well as you started with me uh, i didn't buy very much I did accidentally buy Donkey Konga. Yeah, you did. I now own some bongos and the GameCube game Donkey Konga. So good. Because two years running, that's been a great joy for us. I do need to buy a second set of bongos so you can come over and we can bang some bongos. And I bought a mug. Yeah, you did. Because it's me and I buy mugs. And it's a Let's Game It Out mug. I don't know if, uh, if people have... Watched Let's Game It Out on YouTube. I highly recommend. Oh my god, you need to. Andrew has since shown me some videos and I now just have the playlist saved and I've been watching it because it's just really fun. Was that what I bought? That's all I bought. I think so, but can't remember now. No, actually, you bought well, some... Well, we both bought something, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, so we'll talk about that together. Uh, and yeah. I, as I mentioned earlier, I bought a copy of Disco Elysium. That was in that wasn't in the show. I actually ordered it from the game collection. So I bought a copy of Disco Elysium. I did also buy myself, which was something that I was supposed to buy last year as well, but I didn't. I bought myself a case for my PSP games because when I have to take them on the move, especially at EGX, which is when they all come out, you know, I can't carry all the cases because it's too much space. So they quite often I have they have to sit in my PSP case, which is not healthy. So I've actually bought myself finally a case. And what's exciting about it is that I ordered the case, but it came with the UMD video documentary of FIFA 2000, which is completely useless to me, but it's still in its plastic casing. So I'm thinking to just take it to CEX and get rid of it, because why would you send me that? Somebody really wanted rid of that, didn't they? They really wanted to get rid of that, but it's just really surprising. (laughs) Uh, I was wondering why the package was so big. I was like, this is not a big thing. I don't understand what's happening. I also bought a plushie toy. It's a very squishy, very, very soft pink plushy toy. And she's called Janet. She's very good. She's very squishy. And I really enjoy Janet. Basically, we looked at it and went, oh, that's quite cute. And then you made the mistake of picking it up and realizing how squishy it was. Yeah. And then and then you had to own it because how could you not because squish I, yeah. it all the time? Yeah, exactly. And it's been squished since. It's, it's very squishable. I also bought a kimono. Uh, firstly, because I love kimonos. Uh, secondly, because I like the look of it. It's this black and green checkered kimono. 
uh, quite big, uh, that I later found out uh, through our friend Lap that it's from Demon Slayer, which I did not know, but I really like it. But So I do now own a Demon Slayer kimono. And not finally, but almost finally, <laughs> I bought myself a t-shirt from Oxventure that has got a big dragon on the center and says, oh no, the consequences, they're here now. <laughs> Which, oh no, the consequences! They're here now, um, which I really love, and I have I have worn it already uh, a couple of times since. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. And lastly, so Andrew and I both bought one thing that kind of goes hand in hand, uh, because we've for the longest time we've talked about learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons, and we met this lovely man in one of the stands who uh, had a couple of kind of starter packs for us to start learning. Uh, so Andrew and I bought one each. Uh, Andrew, I believe you have the essential pack and I have the starter pack. Yes. Uh, so we can sort of start reading and start understanding how things work, how, you know, dice work and behave in the game. Uh, they give you a few characters to start with and a story and you can essentially, we can play with each other basically and we can start kind of figuring out how that might start working before we uh, commit to being in a longer playthrough, which I'm really excited about because I, you know, uh, when it came out, I bought some of the limited edition Oxventure dice and the kind of a bag to keep it in a while ago with the intent that that would remind me, I mean, aside from me just loving them, that would remind me to to play it sometime. And now we have we have a starter kit. Yes, we do. So, yes, we will try and teach ourselves how to play Dungeons and Dragons. So watch that for more space. Anyway, yes, VGX. Um, um, poor actual event, but great games and great people. So I think that's probably more important. Absolutely. But maybe they just need to shrink their event space down. Just maybe host it somewhere else. I think Excel's probably too big for it now. Probably. But we will see. I'm sure that having that much empty floor space is also not making them any money. So we will see what happens next year. Okay, Andrew. We haven't yes. done this. We haven't done this for a little while. We haven't done our surprise question for a little while. I really feel like I want to ask you this because you have really invested in owning physical copies of games that's you know constantly moving your shelf around and and i know for a fact that you organize them in order of uh <laughs> quality <laughs> like if you like a game uh -huh. they tend to go a bit up further up on the shelf uh -huh. um i guess for easier access and i guess in terms of ranking i'm not sure but i know that this is how you organize them so my question uh -huh. is from the top shelf only from your best of the best if you had to pick a game and destroy it and never play it again what would that game be and that could only be from your top shelf that's right it'll have to be the top shelf of ps4 games because there's currently only one shelf of ps5 games so that seems unfair right okay well do you want to know what the what the options are. Yeah, just lose, very quickly list them. Cyberpunk 2077, Disco Elysium, Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami 1, Kiwami 2, the Yakuza Remastered Collection, Yakuza 6, 
Resident Evil 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, Uncharted 4, Lost Legacy, Last of Us Remastered, Last of Us Part 2, The Outer Worlds, Borderlands 3, Broken Sword 5, and Grim Fandango. So I think that should... Gosh, that is an epic shelf. Fairly tell Um, Actually, reading them out made it very easy. Resident Evil 6. Um, I am curious as to why that's there. Because even though... I don't really like five and six. They have to all go together, so I've got three through seven as a right as a thing. As a, That's as a fair. Section. Yeah, even though they might, those ones don't rank very high. They still have to go within their set. So Resident Evil two and three, and seven are very high. So that's why they get to be quite so prominent. But five and six sneak in through proxy. Interesting. That makes sense. It's, yeah, interesting. That that's uh, yeah. Does that, does that does that look into my the the warped logic of my mind makes sense it does yeah i was just gonna say it's quite interesting because obviously there's clearly a way to organize these things and i know that i organize mine by it's, it's they're all in alphabetical order but you have them as in order madness. of liking it Absolute except madness, when they're in a collection where they must go together otherwise things are bad all right at resident evil 6 in the bin you go and that was Bye. a surprise question yeah Viv. Yes, Andrew. There are games coming out, Viv. There are um, games coming out. I know you know this because uh, I text you incessantly during the event and I've posted a lot on social medias about this. So probably everyone knows. But my God, they just announced a lot more Like a Dragon games because in the West, we are no longer calling the series Yakuza. It has reverted to its original Japanese name of Like a Dragon. That is the official name of the series now. It's no longer Yakuza. Amazing. Though, all the games on my shelf are Yakuza, but Like a Dragon. So there's three, three new games they announced. Like a Dragon 8. They've also announced that before that, there will be a spin-off game that will be between Like a Dragon 6 through 7 leading into 8. And thirdly, which will be the first game out in March, I think, of next year, February or March, they are releasing Like a Dragon Ishin. In Japan, they released two period historical set games very similar in style using the characters as digital actors but playing different roles in history does that make sense to someone who plays yakuza so probably the, so all of the, all of the characters from the like a dragon series and they've uh, during this remaster they've added some in from the later games that hadn't been made at the time but those games those two period ones had never left japan and they finally are they've said it's mostly thanks to ghost of Tsushima that it was a historical period japanese piece that sold so well in the in the west that they were like actually maybe the west would be interested in these uh, so yes they've re- remade like a dragon ishin which was weirdly the second of those two period games um, and they're releasing that at the beginning of 2023. How exciting. Yeah, you have fight. so much coming up for you. That you just, yeah, it's just going to be back to back for you, isn't it? Oh, Viv. When are, I know. When we we spent such a long when period of time. We're going to have time to go to work. We spent such a long period of time wanting good games to come out. And, you know, as a byproduct of COVID, they just couldn't. And now it's just back to back to back. And uh, And lastly, I just want to give a shout out to. The new Tales from the Borderlands that's coming out on the 21st of October on PC, Xbox, Nintendo and PlayStation. And And that's that, isn't it? And that's that. And that's what we're looking forward to. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening, everyone. We appreciate it very much. If you would like, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter on at Game with Squishy. If you'd like to support us, you can make a donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee on our Ko-fi page. And that's ko-fi.com slash the squishy stream. Please join us on our Discord to chat about the show and for some supplemental information from each episode. Let us know how you got on with Would I Not Tell the Truth to You? Did you get them all right? And if you'd like to ask us a question for the surprise question, you can do so on our Discord or using the hashtag AskASquishy on Twitter. Seen any weird gaming news? Put a link on the Discord. We'd love to see it and we can talk about it in a future episode. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Bye, Squishies! Bye, Squishies! Squishied it.